This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. Uh, Happy Easter, happy Resurrection Day. God is good. God is in this place. If you were here on Friday, it was an amazing time of worship on Friday. Amen. How many of you enjoyed worship on Friday? Amen. God is good. It was powerful just to be in the presence of God. Let's turn our Bibles. I want to jump right into the Word of God this morning here at Commission. We love praising God through worship, and we also love learning the Word of God. For the last few weeks, we've been in a sermon series on the book of Thessalonians, the first book of Thessalonians that Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica. And we've been studying that book verse by verse. Uh, We are going to take a break for just this week, and we will resume that series next week because you probably already know what I'm going to preach about this morning. Uh, I am going to preach, and I'm excited to preach about our risen Savior. But today I want to preach about uh, the importance of how God expects us when we know him and have a relationship with him to, uh, to, to understand the implications that come with that. In order for the world around us to know this risen Savior, it is so important for you and for me as Christians and believers to take a stand. Someone say, take a stand. So as we turn our Bibles to the first, first book of Corinthians, uh, you know, you need to know this, uh, and I want to reiterate this and reaffirm this for so many of you. Uh, you are in the best place that you could be, right, on, on this Easter morning, no matter what brought you here, right? Uh, you are right where God wants you to be, right? God has made this appointment with you. Uh, and, and this morning, some of you probably are sitting there thinking, why did I come here? Or, uh, man, why did I choose this Sunday to be here, right? Some of you are here because you love Jesus, and, uh, and just like you do every Sunday, you're here, and you're welcome. Thank you so much for coming back. Uh, some of y'all are probably visiting with family and uh, this Easter, and you probably decided to just worship here. Uh, some of you probably live close by, and you said, hey, there's a church here, and you wanted to swing by. You're welcome. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, Some of y'all probably watched online. You have no idea the number of people that I've met over the last few weeks that have said, Pastor Osher, we've been watching online, and we're so glad that we could come and worship with you in person. We welcome you. Thank you for joining us, right? Uh, Somebody probably told you to come here with them today, uh, and they probably told you they'll buy you lunch after service, and that's probably why you're here today, for whatever reason, right? You're probably here because your wife told you that if you come, you would probably don't, you don't have to go to a mom's house later today. That's probably why you're here today. So whatever the reason is, right? You're probably here for the Easter eggs or for the kids' experience, or you probably saw an ad on Facebook or Instagram. Whatever the reason is, you are where God wants you to be on this Sunday morning. You know, if there's a part of the message of the Bible that is so vital and so important, right, and it simply cannot be ignored, it is, the, it is the news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, Billy Graham once said, outside of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is no Christian message. The Christian message hinges and rests on the fact that Jesus Christ died for the sins of mankind and rose up like he said he would three days later, and he is preparing a place for you and for me, and he is coming back soon. In fact, we actually celebrate Resurrection Sunday every Sunday 
This is why for this is the reason why Christians from the earliest times switched to actually meeting on Sundays rather than Saturdays like the Jews because they would gather early every Sunday before dawn because Christ was risen early on a Sunday morning. I bet not a lot of you guys knew that. But hey, you learned something new this morning. That brings us to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. And I'm going to read six verses for you. And we're going to go as much as we can, all right? 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 to 6. And I read from the English Standard Version. You can follow from whatever translation you have. Uh, I hope you have your Bibles with you. If you don't, there's the door. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we have the verses that uh, the media team is going to put up on the screen for y'all. If you have your Bibles on your phones, you can whip that out. And, and let's go together. And what we're going to do is I'm going to read the, 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 the verse, the passage, and you can follow with me, all right? This is what the Bible says. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand. Someone say, in which you stand. Uh-oh. I said, someone say, in which you stand. All right, there you go. All right. Uh, verse number two, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered you as of the first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, which was Peter, and to the twelve, and he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. This morning, what I want to do is I want to preach about the three reminders that Paul gives to every believer and follower of Jesus Christ. Can I pray with you for just a second? Father, would you speak to us through this word? I pray, God, that this word will come alive in our hearts. I pray, God, that this word will instill within us a hope. It will instill within us a promise that, God, you are coming back soon, and your death and your resurrection is the only hope for all of mankind. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Paul has three reminders for the church. Reminder number one for the church is this. Stand firm. He says, stand firm. If you, if you read the first verse, I remind you, brothers of the gospel, that I preached to you and you received in which you stand, right? Or the other, another way to say that would be that you have taken your stand and which you have been saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in wait. It says, hold fast. Hold on tight. Hold like this is, this, your life depends upon it. Bind yourself to this word. There are two groups of people. Uh, one group of people, those who stand firm in the word of their salvation. This word that God has breathed right into them. This experience of salvation. The knowledge of Jesus Christ. And the, knowing who he is and the power of his resurrection. And then there's another group of people that Paul warns that you have probably believed in vain. Right? There's, there, there's probably belief that happened. You put your trust in Jesus. But if you don't stand firm and hold on to that trust, you have but believed in vain, is what Paul is saying. He categorizes Christians and non-Christians and unbelievers and believers in these two categories. See, if I was a politically correct preacher, I would begin my message by being very inclusive. 
I wouldn't want to hurt feelings. I would want to tell everybody they were accepted. And I would tell people, hey, God loves you and come as you are. And you are all welcome and, 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 and no conditions applied and no terms and conditions. I wouldn't put an asterisk and, and I wouldn't have any conditions. But Paul has these conditions and principles that he's laying before each and every one of us. Followers of Jesus are those who have truly witnessed the gospel and are willing to lay their reputation down for the truth. And we've been learning about this, about the church of Thessalonica. They were persecuted for their faith. They were put down. They were ostracized. But in and through it all, they knew that they had to pay a price in order for the gospel of Jesus Christ to be spread. Do you know that you are sitting where you are because somebody laid their life down for the gospel? Somebody laid their life down because of what they believed in. Some of you right now are probably thinking, at least I'm a Christian. I might go to church. I, don't, I might not go to church much. I might not practice my faith much, but, I, but I'm here today. What more does this guy want, right? I'm here on Easter Sunday, and I, I probably go on, on Christmas and uh, probably, you know, a few other times during the year, right? But Paul would have one thing to ask us all this morning. Are you standing firm to that experience of salvation that you received? If we had wishy-washy Christians and wishy-washy believers back in the day who would probably just stand for their faith when it mattered and when their lives were put to, to, to question and when, 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 when they were put on the gallows or when they were about to be stoned, if they were about to give up Jesus, you and I probably would not be where we are today. It's so important for you and for me to understand this is that God requires you and me. He challenges you and me. He tasks you and me with an amazing responsibility of standing firm of this, on the salvation, on this experience of Jesus that you and I share and that you and I have. And my question today is, are you standing firm on this word that has been given to you? What does that mean? Man, have you, have you ever taken a, a dark ride or a, a bus ride, like the dark train or the bus ride? If there are no seats, you have to stand, right? Like, like everything and everybody around us, like the, the, the train is shaking or the bus is shaking all the time. But everything around us, even when everything around us is shaking and moving, you give yourself reason and you hold on for dear life, making sure that you're not going to fall, you're not going to sway, you're not going to hit somebody, you're as still as still could be. There's no other time that you could be still but in that situation. I want to draw a clear line this morning, not so much between the Christian and the non-Christian, that's not what I want to do, but rather between the Christian who's standing firm in his faith, who's walking with God, who is confident of his salvation, who knows that God has called you for a time as this, and on the other hand, there's everyone else that Paul is talking about, that's, that, that warning right at the beginning of the passage, unless you have believed in vain, it's just not enough to believe in God. There's so many people around us that believe in God. They believe in the transcendent. They believe in a higher power. They believe in the man upstairs, right? We always hear that. Throw, throw, throw a word to the man upstairs. Everyone believes that, right? There, there's so many people that believe, yes, there's some kind of power out there. That's not what we're talking about. It's something bigger than that. For a Christian, for a believer, it's so much more stronger. It's just not enough to believe in the transcendent. James chapter 2 and verse 19, the Bible reminds us, you say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe in this and they tremble in terror is what the Bible says. Look, even James says, even the devils believe in God. He says, good job. You want a cookie? 
That's what James says. It's not about just believing in God. It's just not believing that God is there and the man upstairs is there and he's watching over you and he's not going to let anything happen to you. All the cliches that we hear on a regular, that's just not enough. It's more important to be grounded, to be rooted, to stand firm on the promises of God when everything in this world is coming against you. You know what the experience of salvation gives you? It gives you the ability to stand firm even when everything else is hitting you. Everything else is telling you to fall down. Everything else is telling you to turn away and walk away. You choose to stand firm because Jesus is on your side. You know, there's this raging battle. We're in this fight. Not, not God versus Satan, right? God doesn't have a rival. It, it, that, that's not the battle at all, right? We're not fighting against people, right? Republicans, stop thinking that the, the Democrats in your church are fighting against you. And, and Democrats in the church, stop thinking that the Republicans are fighting against you. That's what the enemy wants you to believe, right? Stop hating on one another. No, your spouse is not the problem, <clears throat> We don't fight against flesh and blood. That's what the Bible says. We're in a fight over our soul. We're in a fight over what God wants to do in our heart. And the enemy is like, I want to blind you from that. The Bible says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You remember what Jesus told Peter? He looked at Peter and said, Peter, the devil wants to sift you. What does that word sift means? It means this inward agitation. It means this unsettling nature. He says he wants to move you around. He wants to keep you unsettled. He wants to move you from one place to the other place. He wants to have confusion in your mind. He wants you to be unsettled in your heart. He wants you to be unsettled in everything that you do. That is the goal of the enemy. The enemy wants to make it a political problem. The enemy wants to make it a husband and wife problem. When it's really a soul problem. But God is looking at a lot of us and saying, man... Every time the enemy wants to sift you, God is looking at each one of us and saying, I have called you for a time like this to stand firm on the promises of God. For he says, I, have, I've, I gave my son, for he came to save the world, to redeem the world. It's so important for you and for me as Christians. The, the first thing that the world is looking for is some stability, some people that can stand firm in the middle of adversity and say, God has called me to stand firm on my salvation. The second thing in verse number three that he says is Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. It's amazing. The second point that I want to leave with you is this. You have to stand in grace. Stand in his grace. What is this good news that Paul wants to share with his followers? What is it that he wants his followers to understand? That Christ died, he was buried, and was raised from death. Man, historians are clear that Jesus lived. It's not, there's no shadow of a doubt. A lot of, his, a lot of history hinges on it. Hinduism will tell you that. Uh, Islam will tell you that Jesus lived. Jesus died. He, they will tell you that he's a prophet. They will tell you that he was a good man. History proves that Jesus walked on this earth, but the moment you tell them that Jesus Christ died for the sins of mankind and he is God, everyone's red flags fly in the air. In fact, all of history is defined and separated by this historic event of the death of Jesus Christ. 
We have to remind ourselves and remind ourselves in our witness and when we witness to others as to how we have to stand firm on this message that you and I know and how it would be, it would be crazy of us not to share this message with other people, but we have to be sure of it ourselves. Do you know there was an executioner that stood right by him like he would stand by any other death on the cross and make sure that that man that was on the cross was confirmed dead? There is, however, one fact about Jesus that makes him unique. There's only one thing that marks him out as totally different from every great figure in history. And that one thing that makes him different is there was an empty tomb to prove and point us in that direction. That empty, that empty tomb shows us time and time again that Jesus just did not die for our sins, but he rose up three days later and he's preparing a place for you and for me. Guys, people have a hard time believing that Jesus, you know, have a hard time following Jesus passionately and staying rooted and grounded to Jesus because they really haven't understood the good news of the empty grave. Some people say, man, they, they probably stole his body. So what other options do we have? That the disciples stole the body and knew all along and they were lying? At least one person had to rebel. At least one person had to write a book about it. At least one person had to release a podcast or start his YouTube channel. At least one person had to go viral and make that money in saying, no, 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 all these guys are false. That simply doesn't make, make sense psychologically for people to lie. To, why would somebody lie? To gain something, right? Like, if you see somebody lying, it's to what? If, if my daughter lies to me, it's so that she won't get a whooping, right? Like, like there's, there's a reason why somebody lies. Don't worry, I don't abuse my kids. Don't, some of y'all will be like, what? No. We don't spare the rod, though, right? But here's the thing. There's, there's, there's somebody that always lies about something because there's something to gain out of that situation, Am I talking to somebody? Why would the disciples lie about Jesus being raised from the dead? If these guys lied, they got killed for it. It wasn't one of those things where they say, oh, I'm going to lie today. I know I'm going kill, to get killed tomorrow, but who cares? I'm going to lie anyway. No, there's something amazing about the truth. The truth does not need to be justified. The truth is basically standing for itself. And no matter even if you get killed for it, these disciples know that the ripple effect of truth is more powerful than the, the, the temporary lie that they would spew out. And they stood their ground and they said, no, we saw it. We believed it. We believe it. He revealed himself to us in flesh and blood. The resurrection power is real. That's what they said. Not one of them broke ranks and said, oops, we were only kidding. Not one. Not one book that came out. Because for them, standing firm meant standing and saying, You're, you can't scare me with death. We're going to kill you. It's okay. You can kill me. I can't deny what I saw. You can put me in jail. I can't deny what I saw. You can, we're going to stone you. You can stone me. But I saw with my own eyes. No, Paul could point to 500 people who was willing to say, I saw him. 500 people who Jesus revealed himself to. And some people were like, what about more people? Why didn't Jesus reveal himself to more people? Do you know that even if Jesus comes down and talks to certain people, even, till, even to this day, that some people wouldn't even know him, that some people wouldn't even recognize his voice, that some people wouldn't even, the, the two men to, to, on the road to Emmaus, they, they didn't even know that Jesus was walking with them until the very end. 
You know, without the resurrection, the Christian religion comes tumbling down just like the bottom piece of a Jenga. You pull it out and the whole thing comes dropping down. This is the good news that there is an empty tomb, y'all. And that's point number two is that we stand not because of our own ability, but because of his grace, but because of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a potent message. It is a powerful message. It is a gospel of grace that says no matter what you've done in your life, he saved you. He loved you. He went to the cross for you. He died and he he rose up three days later. And there were people that were willing to give their own lives up to stand up for what that message meant. I hope this resonates with us as Christians because when I'm preaching, I'm preaching to the person that does not have a personal relationship with Jesus as well as I'm preaching to a group of people that probably does have a relationship with Jesus and you really don't talk to other people about it. You, you don't have that compelling in your heart, that push, that tug in your heart to share this gospel, to tell somebody else about this Jesus. Let me tell you something powerful happens when you and I come into the presence of God and say, man, this, this gospel is too good to hold to myself. You can't scare me. I saw it. I've experienced it. For so many of y'all, you probably didn't see Jesus resurrecting and he didn't. You were not one of the 500, obviously, that he appeared to. But, but some of you have experienced what salvation is. You have been there. You have experienced the unfallible, the, 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 the grace of Jesus that came and just took over you. And you're living in that today. And the third point I want to leave with you is this. We're standing in hope. Not just standing in grace, not just standing firm, but we stand in hope. Because 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 21, the Bible says this, so you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Verse 22, just as everyone dies because we, are, we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given a new life. Church, can I just talk about this for a second? You see, there, are, there were two gardens the Garden of Eden and the Garden of Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane where, was, where was Jesus cried and Jesus was in pain and Jesus was in tears. And the Garden of, of Eden where there was joy and, 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 and blessing and bliss and grace and glory. These were two different gardens. In the Garden of Eden, Adam sold his soul. In Gethsemane, Jesus gave up his soul as a ransom for your freedom. In Eden, Adam took a fall. In Gethsemane, Jesus took a stand. You and I stand in a hope because of the difference between these two gardens. You see, there were true trees, one in the Garden of Eden and one on the hill called Calvary, not too far from Gethsemane. Under one tree, man discovered his shame. He was like, oh man, I don't know if I like this, but under the other tree, under the tree of Calvary, Jesus traded your sin. He traded your shame. He gave it away and he gave you hope and joy and peace and love. And where you are is no longer in condemnation. You are no longer in shame. You are no longer in pain. You and me are sanctified, redeemed, and bought by the blood of Jesus because you and I are under a covenant of grace. The resurrection is also the one thing that gives us hope. For if Christ has been, had been raised, then Paul says here, we too shall be raised if we trust in him. 
If you and I put our trust in Jesus, which I hope you do, and if there's somebody here that hasn't put your trust in Jesus, you may be a high schooler, a middle schooler, you may be a college-going student, you may be an adult, it doesn't matter what your age is. My question is, have you put your complete and full trust in Jesus where you can come to that place of saying, man, I know the love of Jesus. I know what it means to follow Jesus. I've experienced the love of Jesus, and I'll do anything to hold on to this message and share it with anybody I know. You know, the resurrection is also this one thing that gives us hope because if Christ has been raised, like I said, that Paul says we should be raised if we trust in him because trusting in him gives us the stability and hope. When we trust in him, we don't have to juggle life's problem all on our own. So all too often, the problem with us is we're trying to manage life's issues. We're all Christians that go through stuff in our lives. I I did this a few years ago, and some of y'all probably remember this thing that I did, but it's like this balloon that we have, right? A lot of us, our life is like this balloon. Every single day, we're trying to meet the expectations of life. The different things that we do, we're doing it on our own, our own ability takes a lot out of you. For a lot of y'all, it's different balloons. It's not just your life, but it's your kids. It's your husband. It's the job. It's the business. And day after day, all you're doing and you're tasked with doing, this has a hole. <laughs> BRB. <laughs> what are the odds of that, huh? Good thing I have Backups. I got to catch up here. Okay, give me a second here. Thank you, Ronnie, for the support. But that's what you keep doing. We try, right? We try, every, we try to keep up with the kids, and it's our, it's our own thing because we feel like we need to do everything in our own accord, our own ability, so we keep going. And you know, you have those, some, some of those balloons that are so hard to blow, you know? You're like, oh, where's this going? You need help. And for some of us, you keep blowing and blowing and blowing until it pops. I'm not going to do that today. I hope it doesn't happen. If it does, it's going to go along with the sermon. But, but here's the thing. We keep doing this on our own and we blow it up. And man, this, this life that we've blown up, this, this existence that we have, it could be our job, it could be our friends, it could be our finances. It could be our promotion. It could be anything that you have hoped for and you've, you've made sure that it's formed shape and you, you, you want to balance it. And every day you wake up in the morning and all you're doing is making sure that it doesn't fall on the ground. Making sure that it doesn't touch the ground. Making sure you, your kid's still following Jesus. Making sure that they're still learning their memory. Making sure that you, you, your husband and, and you are still praying every day. Making sure your, 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 your marriage doesn't crumble and fall. I'm not a multitasker, so this is only God's grace right here. But we're trying to juggle life every single day. And the thing is, we try to do it with our own accord. You know, some of us manage a whole lot and you're just trying to hang in there. Some, some by, a tread, by a thread. Some of y'all are just trying to keep afloat. You know, the Bible is not very complimentary about us with Jesus. It says, without hope and without God in this world, we were nothing. That's what the Bible reminds us in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12. 
So for a lot of us, we are spending our entire lives trying to blow up our lives, trying to blow up our existences, trying to blow up our jobs and this and that and this and that. And we go through life feeling that something is missing. And some of y'all are like, man, there's got to be something more to it than this. There's got to be more to it than us Us trying and, and trying and trying and trying over and over again. Because for a lot of us, we're just filling balloons. Some of us, we just keep filling it and filling it and filling it to the point where something happens and it bursts. It bursts. Because sometimes we don't know. We, we have no control. I'm sorry if I scared your kids, but... And that's where God is like, man, what about me in this whole equation? In you're busy blowing this balloon up. In you, you busy building your life up. Man, where was me in all of this equation? Because you're wondering, man, can this be easier? Like a lot of us say that. Why does Christian life have to be so hard? Why do I have to keep doing this over and over? Some of you all, man, you, you turn Christian and then, man, oh, oh, the, the, it, bad stuff started happening to you. Like your family started going through stuff like you've never seen before. Like the devil started coming at you real hard and you're like okay now what like I thought coming to the faith was easy we talked about this last week and you're wondering what else you need to do what what what's what's something different that you got to do in order for you to be able to keep this balloon afloat but then Jesus comes into the picture and he's like you know from the word go you have you should have just trusted me you know, I, I am the source. I am the source of life and I am the source of joy to you to where you, all you got to do is just fix yourself. I am the vine is what Jesus says. I am the life is what Jesus says. You just got to trust in me sometimes instead of blowing it all by yourself, instead of doing it all by yourself, instead of attempting your own stunts. Instead of managing your own finances, instead of trying to do it all by yourself, why can't you just ask me to take control? It would have been amazing if I had a string, but you know, at this point in time, you just don't, whoops. You don't, you, you don't have to juggle. You, you don't have to make sure this hits the floor because you know automatically that this is not going to hit rock bottom. Because what's in this is different from what was in this. This was your own ability. This was your own strength. And when it bursts, you're like, why did it burst? Because you were spending so much time and you had no idea how much of time you were putting into your work. You, you had no idea how much of time you were putting into that, that task that was going nowhere. But when I learned to trust in Jesus, can I, am I talking to somebody today? The moment I look at Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to put my worries in you. What's in me is completely different from what I was trying to do on myself. Because from then on, I don't have to worry about this falling and juggling and making sure that it is staying afloat. It's always up there. It's always floating. It's always not going to... Am I talking to somebody? Because when Jesus breathes his life into me, I can be rest assured that no matter what storms, no matter what winds come, it's always tied to the anchor. And because of that anchor, because it's tied down, I know that I'm not going anywhere. I can put my trust in Jesus. And one day, one day, If I rely on this to fill me, I know that one day I'm not going to be rooted down anymore. 
one day I'm going to be let go. You know, death comes to all of us. But because of life in Jesus, I am guaranteed. Here's what life in Jesus does. It guarantees you two births. The first birth that you have in your natural birth, when you're born through your mother, and then the second birth is when you give your life to Jesus, you are born again. But you know, in the natural world, if you're not born again twice, you have to die twice. Am I talking to somebody here? But when you have life in Jesus Christ, come on somebody, because the Bible says, without Christ, you will be eternally damned. You will be eternally lost. You will not live in eternity. You die not just in person and in in body, but you die eternally. But because Jesus has breathed his life into me, I am not just born once. I am born the second time when I allow him to breathe his life into me. I may die on uh, an earthly death, but that death, even though my body goes into the ground, my soul goes up to be with Jesus. Am I talking to somebody today? Because here's the hope for tomorrow. Jesus said to her in John chapter 11 verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life and anyone who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives in believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? He's asking that woman, he's saying, if you believe in me, if you allow me to breathe my fresh air and my breath into you, man, I can guarantee you one thing, you will have life in me and life in abundance. The good news is that you don't have to have it all together when it comes to Jesus. He puts you together. He's the glue that will mend your million pieces and put you back together. None of you, not you, not me, are promised tomorrow. Worship team, can you guys come up? Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 reminds us this. Believe with your heart. Confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. For some of y'all, you probably made that confession a long time ago. You allowed Jesus to come into your heart, that, 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 that he be your Lord and he be your Savior. Some of y'all, some of us need to make that decision this morning and saying, God, I don't want to be on the outside looking inside. I want to be on the inside experiencing his power. I don't want to be on the outside blowing into vain. I don't want to, I don't want to live my life, this Christian life in vain, like Paul calls it. I want to be rooted. I want to be grounded. I want some of us to know today that you're covered in the blood of Jesus. Some of us have probably walked away from the faith. Some of us probably have been distant from God. And God is calling you right back and saying, I love you. I desire you. I want to have relationship with you. You're my child. There might be somebody here that does not know Jesus on a personal level. You haven't prayed in a long time. There's something that happened in your life that you walked away from God. Because of that one thing, you probably walked away from God and and God is calling you right back. He's saying, come back. He's knocking on your door. saying, I'm right here. I'm with you. That promise of salvation, that promise of eternity is knocking at your door and saying, I want to do the work. I want to blow my life into you. Stop doing it on yourself. more and more we try to do it on ourselves, God's like, man, can you just trust in me? I am the resurrection. I am the life. Just give me an opportunity. Give me a chance. 
For some of us, it's your job that you need to give to God. You've been stressing way too much. For some of somebody else, it's probably a marriage. It's your relationship. For somebody else, it's that promotion, that quest for, for, for going higher in your company and you're stressing, you're, you're breaking your head about it. And God is looking at some of us and saying, man, I, I desire you. I want to be a part of that equation. This life that you're trying to juggle, this life that you're trying to manage on your own, give it to me. Can I breathe my life into it? Church, will you stand up with me this morning? When you walked in, you probably received a cup, a communion cup, and a Ziploc bag. Our volunteers have made sure that it was safely packaged for each one of you to to have communion. After you're done, I, I request that you put your communion cup back in there, close that Ziploc bag, and take it out with you on the way out and drop it in the trash cans as you walk out. But today, we get to enjoy this experience of the resurrection. You know, there are two sacraments that we as a church get to practice in identifying with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It wasn't a lie. It wasn't a, it wasn't, it wasn't something that didn't happen, y'all. They could not have lied about it. The empirical evidence that I can present to you one after the other and list for you is tremendous and I can go on and on and on. But man, it will take so long, but I want to present before you today that Jesus Christ came into this earth for you and for me. He was the promised one. The one that boldly looked at you and me and said, I am the resurrection, I am the life. And anybody that believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever believes in me will never die. And he says, do you believe in this? If that's you and you say, man, I've, I've probably made the decision a long time ago and I've, you know, I've walked far away from God. If, if you've said, man, I've never personally taken that decision on my own to say, Jesus, would you be my king? Would you be my Lord? Make that decision today, please. I encourage you. I urge you. that's you today I want you to before we partake of this I want to give you that opportunity to ask Jesus into your life to get it right with the Lord today some of you probably moved a far way off and you said man I've, I've distanced myself from God but today I want to come back there's no shame in that there's no shame in saying Jesus you have my everything I'm willing to stay strong stay rooted stand firm on your salvation this time God because I know that this is something that I don't want to give away I don't want to I don't want to let go of this I don't want to walk away from this grace anymore I want to hold on some of you need to make that decision this morning and say Jesus would you take residence in my life and if that's you, I want to give you this op opportunity right now. Would you slip your hand up? I want to pray for you. If you're in this room and say, I want Jesus to come into my life, wherever you're standing, would you slip your hand up and say, that's me. 
God bless you. God bless you. If you're watching online, and if that's you, if there's somebody over here that says, man, I'm not only what I... want to give my life to Jesus and you've probably ne- never taken that step of saying man I want to be baptized that's your next step if you've never been baptized and, because that's the commandment of Jesus he says be saved and, and the next step after that that experience of salvation is being baptized why? because Jesus told us to why? because it identifies with Easter with this experience that we call Easter with resurrection Sunday and even though we celebrate resurrection Sunday every Sunday this identifies with the resurrection of Jesus because when you get baptized you're essentially saying I make that public decision the profession of my faith that when I go under that water I die to my old sins I die to my own sins. It it signifies the death of Jesus. When I'm under that water, it signifies the burial, that I'm there, I'm I'm, I'm getting rid of all my sins, and and Jesus is cleansing me of all my sins, that active baptism. And, And when you come back up from that water, you don't stay there, you come back up. It signifies the resurrection power of Jesus, that you are a new creation set free. And if that's you, I ask you today, would you make that decision to follow Jesus in baptism? If you're watching online and you you haven't made that decision until today, I want to urge you, would you make that decision today and say, Jesus, I want to make that decision to follow you publicly, not just privately, not just in my heart, but I want to make that public profession of my faith. If that's you, come to us after service on Good Friday. We had somebody that said, I want to get baptized. If there's somebody here today, you've never made that decision, I urge you, make that decision. We have a baptism service coming up soon. Make that decision today. Come up to one of us and say, man, I want to get baptized. I want to do a public profession of my faith. We want to celebrate with you. You know, but the day that Jesus was crucified, he took this cup. If you could peel that first layer for me and grab that wafer that's in there although this is not a literal representation or or literal we don't take it literally in the sense of this is the body of Christ Jesus says he took the bread and he said this is my body this is my body and he said this is the body that will be broken for you you know Isaiah reminds us and it says by his stripes we were healed If there's anybody that did not receive this when you walked in, would you please raise your hand so that somebody can bring you one right now? Anybody? In the balcony? Okay. I can barely see anybody. The light's like glaring in my face. Even though this is not literally the body of Jesus, this wafer, and if you're at home, I, I hope that you've grabbed a bread and juice or whatever it is and You're joining with us in communion today. This is a representation of the body of Jesus. In a few moments, we're going to break this and we're going to partake of this. But Jesus looked at us and said, this is a representation. And when you partake of this, remember what I did for you on the cross of Calvary. Remember, God is looking at you and me and saying, I sent my own beloved son to die on the cross for your sins. To heal you. 
that today healing is coming to your family, it's coming to your home, to your life, whatever you're struggling with today, would you give it into the hands of Jesus? As we partake of this, let's believe for healing in our bodies. Let's believe for healing in our minds. Let's believe for healing in in our marriages and in every facet of life. Let's believe in healing. Thank you, Lord, for this bread. As we partake of this together, I pray, God, that we will remind ourselves of that sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you break this bread and can we take this together? You know, and soon after that, if you want to peel that second layer for me and you know he took the cup you know this juice that we're probably going to have is uh, it's probably going to be sweet but you know what was not sweet Jesus in taking that wine and giving it to them and saying You're about to have something that's sweet, but what's going to happen after this is far from sweet. It's going to be the most sour, the most tragic, the most depressing thing that will ever happen. When I am hung on that cross and these soldiers that are under me are going to pierce their their spear right into my body and make sure that every ounce of blood flows out. Do not be disheartened because that is the will of God. He said, take this cup and even though you partake of this and this might seem sweet to you, remember and remind yourself of what happened on that cross because it was gory. It was painful. It was torturous. But he did that and he said, this blood, this blood, this wine, this juice is a representation of the new covenant. The salvation that he has for you and for me and you and I can partake of this today because of that promise in saying you are saved, sanctified by the blood of Jesus. You and I don't have to do what they used to do in the Old Testament times or in the the olden times where they would bring a sheep or a goat or doves and pigeons and cut it and the blood would be spilled on the altar because they had to sacrifice for their own sins. We don't have to do that anymore. All we got to do is enjoy this cup and remind ourselves that that was taken care of at the cross of Calvary once and for all. He dealt with your sin. He dealt with your transgressions. He dealt with your pain. And so today, God, I want to remind myself of that. I want to remind ourselves of that today. We thank you for this promise. We thank you for this cup that represents the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood that speaks sanctification. The blood that speaks redemption. The blood that speaks salvation. Father, I pray for each and every person that made the decision to follow Jesus today. That decided to be baptized today. God, we pray for healing and breakthrough and deliverance in their lives. Would you be glorified? As we worship you today, I pray that you alone will be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we partake of this together, church? I'm going to ask the worship team to lead us in a few moments of worship. I want you to remain standing. Unless you have a physical condition that demands you to sit, please remain standing for the next few minutes as we just worship King Jesus today. As we worship him.
Let's think about that sacrifice on the cross. The decision that we have to make to stand firm, to stand rooted, and to give our lives to Jesus. Worship team, would you lead us in a time of worship? Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.